Chapters thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen of A Texas Cowboy by Charles A. Seringo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirteen Mother and I Meet at Last. After spending a week with Aunt Mary, I grew restless and pulled for Galveston to visit my Uncle Nick. I went by way of steamboat down Buffalo Bayou, leaving my horse and saddle in Houston. I landed in the island city one evening about dark. The first man I met, I inquired of him if he knew where Mr. Nicholas White lived. Why, of course, was his quick answer, I have known him for seventeen years. He then gave me the directions how to find him. His wife, whom he had just married a short while before, she being his second wife, met me at the door and escorted me to the bedroom, where I found the old fellow three sheets in the wind. He soon braced up, though, and tendered me a hearty welcome. The next day he spent in showing me around the city and introducing me to his friends as his little nephew who had to skip from western Texas for stealing cattle. I remember there were several high-toned officials among the ones he introduced me to. One of them, I think, was Tom Ochiltree, a red-headed congressman or senator, I forget which the old gentleman had a horse and buggy consequently i had a regular picnic during my stay driving up and down the beach watching the pretty girls go in bathing i remained there two weeks and on taking my departure uncle nick presented me with a spencer carbine one he had captured from a yankee while out scouting during the war i was very proud of the gift for i had never owned a repeating rifle before i landed in houston flat broke but wasn't long in making a raise of ten dollars from aunt mary bonypart had been taken good care of during my absence which made him feel too rollicky he tried to pitch me off when i got on him after bidding aunt mary and uncle jim good-bye i struck out for allen pool and company's ranch on sims bayou there i hired to a mr joe davis of clear creek who had the contract furnishing beef to the gulf colorado and santa fe railroad which was just building out from galveston about the first of september i mounted ranger a pony i swapped bony part for and lit out for trespalacious my wound by that time was about well on arriving at mr tom koikendall's at the head of trespalacious river i learned that mother was at mr morris's at the mouth of cassius creek waiting for me she had arrived there just a few days after my departure for parts unknown as no one knew where i was going you see after getting shot i wrote to mother telling her of the accident and also sending her some money as i was in the habit of doing when flush hence like a kind mother she came out to be of service to me but arrived too late it is needless to say we were glad to meet for the first time in several long years I went right to work trying to rig up a home for her. She had brought some money with her, and I sold a lot of mavericks, some of those I branded the winter previous, for two dollars a head. Therefore we both together had money enough to build and furnish a shanty. As Mr. Morris was just going to Indianola in his schooner, we sent by him after our lumber, etc., but before he got there, the big storm, which swept nearly every soul from the peninsula and nearly wiped Indianola out of existence, 
struck him and scattered his boat money and everything he had aboard to the four winds of heaven he and his son tom barely escaped with their own lives mother and i experienced a share of the same storm too we were still at mr morris's the storm came about ten o'clock at night and blew the morris mansion down leaving us mrs morris her three children and a stepson jim mother and myself to paddle around in water up to our waists until morning when daylight came the bay shore was lined with dead cattle just as far as the eye could reach cattle that had blown into the water and drowned when mr morris got back he started a new ranch up at the head of cassius creek where i had camped the winter before and i built mother a shanty a few hundred yards from his so she wouldn't get lonesome while i was away i built it out of an old torn-down house that i bought from mr john pierce on tick for i was then financially busted cattle didn't die very badly that coming winter therefore i did not make much money but towards spring i got my work in branding mavericks some days i would brand as high as fifteen or twenty head that spring there was a law passed prohibiting the carrying of pistols and i was the first man to break the law for which they socked a heavier fine to me than i was able to pay but i found a good friend in the person of mr john pierce who loaned me the desired amount without asking for it the first of april i hired to w b grimes to go up the trail at thirty dollars per month i bade mother good-bye promising to return sure that coming fall our outfit consisted of twenty-five hundred head of old mossy horn steers a cook and twenty-five riders including the boss asa dowdy with six head of good horses to the man everything went on lovely with the exception of swimming swollen streams fighting now and then among ourselves and a stampede every stormy night until we arrived at the canadian river in the indian territory there we had a little indian scare when within a few miles of the river dowdy went on ahead to look up a good crossing it wasn't long until we discovered a terrible dust on the trail between us and the river it looked like it might be a cyclone coming but instead of that it was our boss returning he galloped up almost out of wind telling us to stop the herd and make preparations for war as the woods along the river were covered with indians on the warpath after getting everything in shape for war he selected two of his best armed men which happened to be otto drab and myself to go back with him and try to make peace with the red devils we scoured the woods out thoroughly but only succeeded in finding one old blind buck asa had no doubt seen him and imagined the rest from that time on though we were among indians all the time and they used to try and scare asa into giving them wohas cattle but he wasn't one of the scaring kind except when taken by surprise everything went on smoothly again until we arrived at salt fork close to the kansas line it was raining and storming terribly when we hove in sight of the above-named river asa went on ahead with the wagons we having an extra one along then to haul wood and water in to find a crossing but on arriving there he found it very high almost swimming he succeeded in getting both wagons over though he then galloped back to hurry the herd up 
we were just about a mile from the river when he came dashing up saying whoop em up boys for she's rising a foot every second when we got there she was bank full and still rising it was at least half a mile to the opposite side and driftwood was coming down at a terrible rate which made it dangerous to cross but the wagons being over made it a groundhog case or at least we thought so the old lead steers went right into the foaming water without a bit of trouble and of course the balance followed henry coates was in the lead of the herd asa dowdy and otto drab on the left point while negro gabe and i kept them from turning to the right we were all that is we fellows on the points out in swimming water when henry coates horse went under which scared the leaders causing the whole herd to turn back amidst terrible confusion coates came very near drowning we worked for half an hour or more trying to get the herd to take water again but failed the river continued to rise until she was over a mile wide suffice it to say we remained there seven days without anything to eat except fresh meat without salt it rained during the whole time nearly so that we didn't get much sleep on account of having to stay with the cattle night and day the first grub we got was from a lot of soldiers camped on the opposite side of the wicked little stream wild horse they were waiting for it to go down so they could proceed to wichita kansas their destination the boss dowdy a fellow by the name of hastings and myself found the blue coats while out hunting a lot of steers lost the night before during a severe storm we had spied the white tents off to the southward and pulled out for them in a gallop on arriving within a few hundred yards we found out that a swift stream of muddy water laid between us they were camped right on the opposite bank from where we stood dowdy yelled over asking if they could spare some chuck yes was the quick response if you will come over after it dowdy and hastings both looked at me as much as to say charlie it all depends on you i was considered an extra good swimmer after shedding my heaviest clothes there being officers wives in camp so that i couldn't undress altogether i put spurs to yankee doodle and went into her it was at least two hundred yards across but i made it all o okay. k when the captain found out how long we had been without grub he ordered the cook to bring out some cold biscuits he brought out a large panful and after i got my fists full a lot of the soldiers took the balance and selecting a narrow place threw them over one by one to dowdy and hastings after hiding a dozen or two fat government biscuits under my belt i began studying up a plan by which i could get some flour and salt also coffee over at last i hit upon a plan i got a wash-tub from the captain's wife and filling it full of such stuff as we needed launched her out into the water i swam by the side of it and landed on the opposite side about half a mile below where i started in at i then took the tub back thanked our benefactors mounted yankee doodle and pulled for the other shore feeling a thousand percent better we arrived at camp about sundown and the boys went to work baking bread by rolling the dough round a stick and holding it over the fire some of them sat up all night eating trying to make up for lost time the sun came out next morning for the first time in eight long days and towards evening we made it across the river 
the wagons we found at the pond creek ranch on the kansas side the cooks had been having a soft time chapter fourteen on a tear in wichita kansas on the fourth day of july after being on the trail just three months we landed on the ninnesqua river thirty miles west of wichita kansas nearly all the boys the boss included struck out for wichita right away to take the train for houston texas the nearest railroad point to their respective homes mr grimes paid their railroad fares according to custom in those days i concluded i would remain until fall mr grimes had come around by rail consequently he was on hand to receive us he already had several thousand steers besides our herd on hand some that he drove up the year before and others he bought around here he had them divided up into several different herds about eight hundred to the herd and scattered out into different places that is each camp off by itself from five to ten miles from any other with each herd or bunch would be a cook and chuck wagon four riders a boss included and five horses to the rider during the day two men would herd or watch the cattle until noon and the other two until time to bed them which would be about dark by bedding we mean take them to camp to a certain high piece of ground suitable for a bed ground where they would all lie down until morning unless disturbed by a storm or otherwise the nights would be divided up into four equal parts one man on at a time unless storming tormented with mosquitoes or something of the kind when every one except the cook would have to be out singing to them the herd i came up the trail with was split into three bunches and i was put with one of them under a man by the name of phillips but shortly afterwards changed and put with a mr taylor i spent all my extra time when not on duty visiting a couple of new york damsels who lived with their parents five miles east of our camp they were the only young ladies in the neighborhood the country being very thinly settled then therefore the boys thought i was very cheeky getting on courting terms with them so quick one of them finally put a head on me or in grammatical words gave me a black eye which chopped my visit short off she didn't understand the texas way of proposing for one's hand in marriage was what caused the fracas she was cleaning roasting ears for dinner when i asked her how she would like to jump into double harness and trot through life with me the air was full of flying roasting ears for a few seconds one of them striking me over the left eye and shortly afterwards a young cowpuncher rode into camp with one eye in a sling you can imagine the boys giving it to me about monkeying with civilized girls etc after that i became very lonesome had nothing to think of but my little texas girl the only one on earth i loved while sitting on herd in the hot sun or lounging around camp in the shade of the wagon there being no trees in that country to supply us with shade my mind would be on nothing but her i finally concluded to write to her and find out just how i stood as often as i had been with her i had never let her know my thoughts she being only fourteen years of age i thought there was plenty of time i wrote a long letter explaining everything and then waited patiently for an answer 
i felt sure she would give me encouragement if nothing more a month passed by and still no answer can it be possible that she don't think enough of me to answer my letter thought i no i would finally decide she is too much of an angel to be guilty of such at last the supply wagon arrived from wichita and among the mail was a letter for me i was on herd that afternoon and when the other boys came out to relieve collier and i they told me about there being a letter in camp for me written by a female judging from the fine handwriting on the envelope i was happy until i opened the letter and read a few lines it then dropped from my fingers and i turned deathly pale mr collier wanted to know if some of my relations wasn't dead suffice it to say that the object of my heart was married to my old playmate billy williams the letter went on to state that she had given her love to another and that she never thought i loved her only as a friend etc she further went on advising me to grin and bear it as there were just as good fish in the sea as ever was caught etc i wanted some one to kill me so concluded to go to the black hills as every one was flocking there then mr collier the same man i traded the crippled horse to agreed to go with me so we both struck out for wichita to settle up with daddy grimes mr collier had a good horse of his own and so did i mine was a california pony that i had given fifty-five dollars for quite a while before my intention was to take him home and make a race-horse of him he was only three years old and according to my views a lightning striker after settling up we like other locoed cow-punchers proceeded to take in the town and the result was after two or three days carousing around we left there busted with the exception of a few dollars as we didn't have money enough to take us to the black hills we concluded to pull for the medicine river one hundred miles west we arrived in kiowa a little one-horse town on the medicine about dark one cold and disagreeable evening we put up at the davis house which was kept by a man named davis by the way one of the whitest men that ever wore shoes collier made arrangements that night with mr davis to board us on tick until we could get work but i wouldn't agree to that the next morning after paying my night's lodging i had just one dollar left and i gave that to mr collier as i bade him adieu i then headed southwest across the hills not having any destination in view i wanted to go somewhere but didn't care where to tell the truth i was still somewhat rattled over my recent bad luck that night i lay out in the brush by myself and next morning changed my course to southeast down a creek called driftwood and about noon i accidentally landed in gus johnson's cow camp at the forks of driftwood and little mule creeks i remained there all night and next morning when i was fixing to pull out god only knows where the boss bill hudson asked me if i wouldn't stay and work in his place until he went to hutchison kansas and back i agreed to do so finally if he would furnish whisky pete my pony all the corn he could eat over and above my wages which were to be twenty-five dollars a month the outfit consisted of only about twenty-five hundred texas steers a chuck-wagon cook and five riders besides the boss a few days after mr hudson left we experienced a terrible severe snowstorm 
we had to stay with the drifting herd night and day therefore it went rough with us myself especially being from a warm climate and only clad in common garments while the other boys were fixed for winter when mr hudson came back from hutchison he pulled up stakes and drifted south down into the indian territory our camp was then on the territory and kansas line in search of good winter quarters we located on the eagle chief river a place where cattle had never been held before cattlemen in that section of country considered it better policy to hug the kansas line on account of indians about the time we became settled in our new quarters my month was up and mr hudson paid me twenty-five dollars telling me to make that my home all winter if i wished my pile now amounted to forty-five dollars having won twenty dollars from one of the boys ike berry on a horse race they had a race horse in camp called gray dog who had never been beaten so they said but i and whiskey pete done him up to the extent of twenty dollars in fine shape i made up my mind that i would build me a dugout somewhere close to the johnson camp and put in the winter hunting and trapping therefore as hudson was going to kiowa with the wagon after a load of provisions etc i went along to lay me in a supply also on arriving at kiowa i found that my old pard mr collier had struck a job with the cattleman whose ranch was close to town but before spring he left for good old england where a large pile of money was waiting him one of his rich relations had died and willed him everything he had we suppose he is now putting on lots of agony if not dead and telling his green countrymen of his hairbreadth escapes on the wild texas plains we often wonder if he forgets to tell of his experience with old gray the pony i traded to him for the boat after sending mother twenty dollars by registered mail and laying in a supply of corn provisions ammunition etc i pulled back to eagle chief to make war with wild animals especially those that their hides would bring me in some money such as gray wolves coyotes wildcats buffaloes and bears i left kiowa with just three dollars in money the next morning after arriving in camp i took my stuff and moved down the river about a mile to where i had already selected a spot for my winter quarters i worked like a turk all day long building me a house out of dry poles covered with grass in the north end i built a sawed chimney and in the south end left an opening for a door when finished it lacked about two feet of being high enough for me to stand up straight it was almost dark and snowing terribly when i got it finished and a fire burning in the low jim crow fireplace i then fed whiskey pete some corn and stepped out a few yards after an armload of good solid wood for morning on getting about half an armful of wood gathered i heard something crackling and looking over my shoulder discovered my mansion in flames i got there in time to save nearly everything in the shape of bedding etc some of the grub being next to the fireplace was lost i slept at johnson's camp that night the next morning i went about two miles down the river and located another camp this time i built a dugout right on the bank of the stream in a thick bunch of timber i made the dugout in a curious shape started in at the edge of the steep bank and dug a place six feet long three feet deep 
and three feet wide leaving the end next to the creek open for a door i then commenced at the further end and dug another place same size in an opposite direction which formed an l i then dug still another place same size straight out from the river which made the whole concern almost in the shape of a z in the end furthest from the stream i made a fireplace by digging the earth away in the shape of a regular fireplace and then to make a chimney i dug a round hole with the aid of a butcher knife straight up as far as i could reach then commencing at the top and connecting the two holes the next thing was to make it draw and i did that by cutting and piling sods of dirt around the hole until about two feet above the level i then proceeded to build a roof over my three by eighteen mansion to do that i cut green poles four feet long and laid them across the top two or three inches apart then a layer of grass and finally to finish it off a foot of solid earth she was then ready for business my idea in making it so crooked was to keep the indians should any happen along at night from seeing my fire after getting established in my new quarters i put out quite a number of wolf baits and next morning in going to look at them found several dead wolves besides scores of skunks etc but they were frozen too stiff to skin therefore i left them until a warmer day the next morning on crawling out to feed my horse i discovered it snowing terribly accompanied with a piercing cold norther i crawled back into my hole after making whisky peat as comfortable as possible and remained there until late in the evening when suddenly disturbed by a horny visitor it was three or four o'clock in the evening while humped up before a blazing fire thinking of days gone by that all at once before i had time to think a large red steer came tumbling down head first just missing me by a few inches in travelling ahead of the storm the whole johnson herd had passed right over me but luckily only one broke through talk about your ticklish places that was truly one of them a steer jammed in between me and daylight and a hot fire roasting me by inches i tried to get up through the roof it being only a foot above my head but failed finally the old steer made a terrible struggle just about the time i was fixing to turn my wicked soul over to the lord and i got a glimpse of daylight under his flanks i made a dive for it and by tight squeezing i saved my life after getting out and shaking myself i made a vow that i would leave that god-forsaken country in less than twenty-four hours and i did so chapter fifteen a lonely trip down the cimarron the next morning after the steer racket i pulled out for kiowa kansas it was then sleeting from the north consequently i had to face it about three o'clock in the evening i changed my notion and concluded to head for texas so i turned east down the eagle chief to where it emptied into the cimarron and thence down that stream knowing that i was bound to strike the chisholm trail the one i came up on the spring before i camped that night at the mouth of eagle chief and went to roost on an empty stomach not having brought any grub with me i was then in the western edge of what is known as the blackjack country which extends east far beyond the chisholm trail 
the next morning i continued down the cimarron through blackjack timber and sand hills to avoid the sand hills which appeared fewer on the opposite side i undertook to cross the river but bogged down in the quicksand and had to turn back that night i camped between two large sand hills and made my bed in a tall bunch of blue stem grass i went to bed as full as a tick as i had just eaten a mule-eared rabbit one i had slipped up on to and killed with a club i was afraid to shoot at the large droves of deer and turkeys on account of the country being full of fresh indian signs i crawled out of my nest next morning almost frozen i built a roaring big fire on the south edge of the bunch of tall grass so as to check the cold piercing norther after enjoying the warm fire a few moments i began to get thirsty and there being no water near at hand i took my tin cup and walked over to a large snowdrift a short distance off to get it full of clean snow which i intended melting by the fire to quench my burning thirst while filling the cup i heard a crackling noise behind me and looking over my shoulder discovered a blaze of fire twenty feet in the air and spreading at a terrible rate i arrived on the scene just in time to save whisky pete from a horrible death he was tied to a tree the top limbs of which were already in a blaze i also managed to save my saddle and an old piece of saddle blanket they being out under the tree that whisky pete was tied to i didn't mind losing my leather leggings saddle blankets etc so much as i did the old dilapidated overcoat that contained a little silver-plated match-box in one of the pockets that day i travelled steady but not making very rapid progress on account of winding around sand-hills watching for indians and going around the heads of boggy sloughs i was certain of striking the chisholm trail before night but was doomed to disappointment i pitched camp about nine o'clock that night and played a single-handed game of freeze-out until morning not having any matches to make a fire with i hadn't gone more than two miles next morning when i came across a camp-fire which looked as though it had been used a few hours before on examination i found it had been an indian camp just vacated that morning the trail which contained the tracks of forty or fifty head of horses led down the river after warming myself i struck right out on their trail being very cautious not to run on to them every now and then i would dismount and crawl to the top of a tall sand-hill to see that the road was clear ahead about noon i came to a large creek which proved to be turkey creek the reds had made a good crossing by digging the banks down and breaking the ice after crossing i hadn't gone but a short distance when i came in sight of the chisholm trail i never was so glad to see anything before unless it was the little streak of daylight under the steer's flanks the indians on striking the trail had struck south on it and after crossing the cimarron i came in sight of them about five miles ahead of me i rode slow so as to let them get out of sight i didn't care to come in contact with them for fear they might want my horse and possibly my scalp about dark that evening i rode into a large camp of government freighters who informed me that the fifty indians who had just passed being on their way back to the reservation were kiowas who had been on a hunting expedition 
i fared well that night got a good supper and a warm bed to sleep in besides a good square meal of corn and oats for my horse the next morning before starting on my journey an old irish teamster by the name of long mike presented me with a pair of pants mine being almost in rags and a blue soldier coat which i can assure you i appreciated very much about dusk that evening i rode into cheyenne agency and that night slept in a house for the first time since leaving kiowa in fact i hadn't seen a house since leaving kiowa the next morning i continued south and that night put up at bill williams ranch on the south canadian river shortly after leaving the williams ranch next morning i met a crowd of chickasaw indians who bantered me for a horse race as whiskey pete was tired and footsore i refused but they kept after me until finally i took them up i put up my saddle and pistol against one of their ponies the pistol i kept buckled around me for fear they might try to swindle me the saddle i put up and rode the race bareback i came out ahead but not enough to brag about they gave up the pony without a murmur but tried to persuade me to run against one of their other ponies a much larger and finer-looking one i rode off thanking them very kindly for what they had already done for me that night i put up at a ranch on the washita river and next morning before leaving swapped my indian pony off for another one and got ten dollars to boot that morning i left the chisholm trail and struck down the washita river in search of a good lively place where i might put in the balance of the winter i landed in aaron springs late that evening and found a grand ball in full bloom at frank murray's mansion the dancers were a mixed crowd the ladies being half-breeds and the men mostly americans and very tough citizens of course i joined the mob being in search of excitement and had a gay old time drinking kill me quick whiskey and swinging the pretty indian maidens after breakfast next morning the whole crowd ladies and all went down the river five miles to witness a big horse race at kickapoo flat after the big race which was for several thousand dollars was over the day was spent in running pony races and drinking whiskey by night the whole mob were gloriously drunk your humble servant included there were several fights and fusses took place during the day but no one seriously hurt it being against the laws of the united states to sell or have whiskey in the indian territory you might wonder where it came from a man by the name of bill anderson said to have been one of quantrell's men during the war did the selling he defied the united states marshals and it was said that he had over a hundred indictments against him he sold it at ten dollars a gallon therefore you see he could afford to run quite a risk the next day on my way down the river to paul's valley i got rid of my extra pony i came across two apple peddlers who were on their way to fort sill with a load of apples and who had had the misfortune of losing one of their horses by death the night before thereby leaving them on the prairie helpless unable to move on they had no money to buy another horse with having spent all their surplus wealth in arkansas for the load of apples when i gave them the pony they felt very happy judging from their actions on taking my departure one of them insisted on my taking his silver watch as a token of friendship 
i afterwards had the watch stolen from me well patient reader i will now drop the curtain for a while just suffice it to say i had a tough time of it during the rest of the winter and came out carrying two bullet wounds but i had some gay times as well as tough and won considerable money running whiskey peak the following may i landed in gainesville texas right side up with care and from there went to st joe on the chisholm trail where i succeeded in getting a job with a passing herd belonging to captain littlefield of gonzales the boss's name was jim wells and the herd contained thirty five hundred head of stock cattle it being a terribly wet season we experienced considerable hardships swimming swollen streams etc we also had some trouble with indians we arrived at dodge city kansas on the third day of july and that night i quit and went to town to whoop em up liza jane i met an old friend that night by the name of wes adams and we both had a gay time until towards morning when he got severely stabbed in a free-to-all fight on the morning of july fifth i hired to david t beals or the firm of bates and beals as the outfit was commonly called to help drive a herd of steers twenty five hundred head to the panhandle of texas where he intended starting a new ranch the next morning we struck out on the old fort bascom trail in a southwesterly direction the outfit consisted of eight men besides the boss bill allen and deacon bates one of mr beale's silent partners who was going along to locate the new range and o m johnson the whole-souled ex-rebel cook we had six extra good horses apiece my six being named as follows comanche allison last chance creeping moses damn fido and beaten be damned the last named was afterwards shot full of arrows because he wouldn't hurry while being driven off by a band of indians who had made a raid on the camp end of chapters thirteen fourteen and fifteen